0: Hello, and welcome to The Updown. I'm your host, Courtney Bradley. The Updown is a place where business owners can learn how to create kick-ass workspaces where their people and their company thrive. Today, I'd like to welcome my friend and mentor, Sean Storms with The Third Door. Welcome, Sean.
1: What up, Courtney?
0: <laughs> Here's the part where I read just a little quick thing about you. Uh, There's a lot here though. So Sean is a senior executive with an exemplary record of improving, transforming, inspiring and leading organizations to stunning profitable growth. Passionate about designing unprecedented value propositions, seeing what others miss, continuous process improvement, Deming based and organizational fitness alignment and clarity to spark exceptional top and bottom line performance described as a hybrid Sean is built like a COO with the intuition of a CEO said another way he's a mission focused visionary with the assertiveness detail speed and ingenuity to both dream and execute that's pretty intense
1: (laughs) (laughs) and what does it all mean right
0: (laughs) this I I had a note on here I'm like wow that's a lot to unpack (laughs) Um, however I I can personally vouch for all of that
1: All it means is, you know, if you're around long enough, you figure some things out.
0: (laughs) Yes. So um, that's going to be a lot to live up to during this podcast. So Uh, I'm up um, to the challenge. Excellent. Well, so why don't you give our listeners a brief rundown of your background and kind of got how you got started down this path?
1: So it's interesting. I started at Yellow Freight System, which is now YRC worldwide for for Kansas City listeners, you know, that's a 70 80 year old company everybody knows it. But I was on the uh, in the northeastern part of the country and started there straight out of college. And eventually the way the career pathing worked at that company is you come up through operations, eventually you get into sales and then branch management and then it all starts to happen. So I had this operational background and when I got into sales, I wasn't one of these natural salespeople who walked into a room, high charisma, (laughs) lit it up, you know, and people just turned their money over to you. So it it was a bit of a struggle, but I took the operational know-how over time, not only at Yellow, being a Fortune 500 company, but Granger also, which is a $6 billion, you know, international- Tiny little
0: company. Exactly, (laughs) industrial
1: supply company. And what I found out over time that As we'll get into these three components to try to keep this somewhat simple, is that what I learned on the operational side really applied on the sales side, not the way that sales trainers teach it, not the way that marketing people teach it. It was really looking at business development in in a very unique way. And so in each place that I went, business grew through the roof. I mean, in those previous 15 years, I think it was 250 million is what we drove in new business. Um, You know, for those of you who can't do math, that's a quarter of a billion dollars, and don't get me wrong, I give a ton of credit to the teams that we put together, but it was the framework, it was the methodology in terms of how it worked. And so, I took that through my career and had a lot of fun in the corporate world, and then for a decade, um, save for a two-year stint as the COO, of a distribution company where we had the same results. You know, we grew profitability by 1,200%, grew uh, top line revenue almost 20%. Um, It worked there too, so it just works. So yeah, we've had the third door now for uh, a little more than a decade. Uh, But that's my background, it was corporate America, always brought in to fix something because that's how it works, right? Somebody gets demoted or fired and they bring in somebody new to try to fix it. Um, And it was trying out this new way of doing things.
0: That's nice and we met 10 a little over 10 years ago yeah yes so listeners uh, when I first started the company that I own, which was then named Square one interiors um, we I wanted some help and I wanted to make sure that I was on the right path I had never owned a business before so I went through a, was it a day couple days seminar um, speed there of revenue. was a
1: seminar and then we were meeting once a week okay. for an hour or two. okay
0: yes so that's that's how i got the introduction to sean storms um but also last summer we were getting ready to go into our 10th year in business and i felt i keep telling people i felt adrift that you know i kind of had the i don't know nine-year itch or whatever like i just didn't feel like where our company was going uh, we were the same as everyone else and i was not satisfied with that so i came to you and wanted to talk to you about what we could do in order to I don't want to say differentiate, but in in a sense to do that or to, to give us the ability to stand out. Stand out. Yes, that is correct. Yeah. So we went through this whole process and and the framework that you were speaking about. So let's kind of start with that first component because it's a big one and we have lots of examples as to how we were failing in this area, and then also how we've improved after working with you.
1: Sure. And so some of this is conceptual. So I'll throw out a couple of statements uh, before we roll into this issue of continuous improvement and why, why, what does that have to do with <laughs> revenue growth, profitable revenue growth? So a couple of the uh, things that we start with is um, sameness. You mentioned sameness. And if there's one thing I realized in those previous 25 years in corporate America was that sameness rules, it is without a doubt the business disease that's reached epidemic proportions. And so what most business owners, CEOs, regardless of the size of the company, what they do is they, as much as they think they might have competitive advantage or that they've differentiated, they really and truly have the same thing as everybody else and then they sell their asses off. Right. Right. And we all know that if you're cold calling, only three percent usually that's going to close. It's just not a profitable um, proposition. It's so, not
0: enjoyable either. It's not, not enjoyable.
1: And now there are some people who enjoy the hunt, but never no. never mistake activity for results. <laughs> and the second thing I'll throw out uh, before we jump into this first component is um, that the only reason the sales organization exists is because demand does not. That's irrefutable. Now that took me a while. As a guy who came up through operations, did sales, led sales organizations for years. Um, but it's true. If you've created demand, I don't think Tesla has to sell very hard. Right. I, I don't see their <laughs> ads everywhere. I don't see Chick-fil-A, you know, on, on the radio all the time. They've created demand. Right. So this all made a lot of sense to me. But where it really started was back in 1988 when I was at Yellow. And I was in the uh, quality department in the... Uh, corporate headquarters and was sent over to Johnson County Community College actually to hear this old turtle looking guy <laughs> who was like 90 years old. And I'm like, what the hell are we doing here? Listen to this guy. But it was simulcast and there were over 80,000 people, I think, across the country listening to this guy that day. And his name was W. Edwards Deming. And Deming is the guy who pretty much uh, created this economic juggernaut we know today as Japan. And so from 1945 after World War II ended up until about 1973 when the oil crisis hit here in, in the U.S., he'd been teaching those folks, right, how to do things right. And so, you know, the oil crisis hits in 73. Suddenly people are like, well, what's Toyota? What's Datsun, <laughs> which becomes Nissan, right? What, what is a Honda? And by 1980, we have the first auto bailout because Chrysler and GM couldn't even make payroll. So... We don't learn as a country, right? because we know this happened again in 2008, we just don't learn. And so Deming is without a doubt, um, if not one of the masters, the master of quality and productivity, but he goes much deeper than that. People have turned it into lean manufacturing and Six Sigma, but if you look at his 14 points for management, it starts with constancy of purpose. But for the sake of this podcast, what Deming
0: taught exactly.
1: What Deming taught me, in which I know we're going to talk about what you guys benefited from, was the concept of variation. Right. And this what? This is a good one. Yeah. And what Pay is? Pay attention, people. <laughs> and it throws people, right? So when you're talking about profitable growth, we're going to start with what. So in terms of variation, um, you know, you jump in here and tell us what it meant to you guys, but think about, think about if your back is out of whack, you go to a chiropractor to get into alignment. If your brakes are all messed up on your car, um, you're going to go get a wheel alignment, right, to make sure that variation in your wheels doesn't cause something bad. And so think of a ship, a cruise ship, going across the ocean. If, it's, if it doesn't have a clear plan and everybody's not aligned in terms of where they're going, it'll be rudderless. It'll just kind of waver all over the place. So what did that mean to you and the team at Trilogy. <laughs>
0: It meant uh, that we really needed to get a handle on some processes (laughs) (laughs) and some kind of checkpoints for ourselves. And it really highlighted a significant number of areas where we could improve, and then that in turn would improve, you know, revenue and bottom line.
1: Without a doubt, so how could reducing variation, the bottom line one is a little self-explanatory. You might want to talk a little about waste and rework.
0: Oh, waste and rework. Yes, I am, love the waste and rework diagram. So what we used to do is work kind of like everyone else. People would come to us with a project, we'd jump all over it, and we would submit a final you know, deliverable, And there may be installation issues at the end and we'd have to kind of rework that and we'd have time and money invested in getting those things fixed. Uh, The client was a little bit frustrated maybe because they just, you know, expect to be able to walk in their space and go to work. And sometimes that wasn't happening. And so that was, you know, variation from many different factors that was causing us to have that waste and rework.
1: And so most, that's a great explanation by the way, and so most companies don't realize, especially leadership, that anywhere from 25 to 35% of annual top line revenue, for those of you listening, think of that number, whatever you did in 2018, what you're gonna do in 2019, the 25 to 35% of top line revenue is often lost in waste and rework. So if you could take that money and reduce it even by 10% and add that to the bottom line, So now speak a little to the audience So, what happens to, like let's get to this revenue growth piece again, as you constantly improve the process, what do customers feel?
0: Happy and delighted and they feel a well-oiled machine has taken care of them.
1: (laughs) So you start to create demand because their needs are met faster and better and more frequently and consistently. So in lieu of trying to draw (laughs) the process diagram, We should have
0: done this on video. What were we thinking?
1: <laughs> so what happens is, right, as we continuously improve the process, things get better, variation goes down, costs get reduced, profits go up. But the beauty of it is the customer gets more positive outcomes and and you get more business. Right. It's a beautiful thing and it's simple, but is it easy to execute? It,
0: it, it, yes and no. <laughs> On some levels, we're still, we're always improving. That's, I love the term continuous process improvement because it is something that you're continually working on and and seeing how you can get better. Sure. Every every project.
1: And, you know, before we move on to the second one, um, I've spoken to groups, hundreds of salespeople, let's say, who work for one company, and certainly their leadership's in the room. And I'll say, okay, last year, what was your number one objection that you received from customers? And almost every time, in unison, hundreds of people will say, pricing. <laughs> and I'll say, so why do you wait till the end of the process? Right. right. Why not lead off with it? Why not disarm that thing? So process is not just operations. No. It's everywhere.
0: No. It's it's where you begin that journey with the client or whoever you're working with.
1: So with that as kind of the first component of mm-hmm. these three components, that's what hit me when I saw Deming in 88. I said, oh my gosh, everything, start, everything has a beginning and an end. <clears throat> Excuse me. And then what you're trying to do is improve it. Right. So now, you know, the sales career continues and now I'm leading, you know, I'm either the CEO, COO, VP of sales, whatever. And usually when I'm coming into these companies, they've already got a contract with some sales training firm and I'm sure they're not all bad, I'm sure they're not all bad people, but my experience was, and I've been through each of those three times, it was it was not good, Right. and we're stuck in a hole, and so it led me to this second piece, and it's not just turning over people, but it was really this idea of organizational fitness. So we don't need to um, beat a dead horse with purpose. There's a lot of folks out there, I'm sure, who know a lot about purpose, but I will say a few things before I ask you what your experience right. was with it. <clears throat> Too many people, get mission confused with purpose. So for those who have a pen and paper in hand, it's this easy. Purpose is the reason why the company exists. It's the difference you're trying to make in people's lives. The mission is what the purpose, it's the core strategy that fulfills the purpose, and vision is what the purpose looks like fulfilled in the future. And you have to nail each of those, just like we mentioned Tesla, Costco, Pixar, Apple, Southwest Air, the list goes on and on. They are all purpose driven and that's where they start. So that piece is where we get the alignment and the clarity piece. And if we get alignment in the organization and we all become very clear about who we are and what we're trying to do, variation goes down. And costs go down and customers get happier like we just talked about. So that's why we have to lead off with really understanding like you said, Courtney, process improvement before we get to this second component, which is organizational fitness. So um, share a little about how much time we spent and a lot. where it's we gone. We spent a lot of time,
0: <laughs> months. Um, so the purpose piece was really probably my favorite because what it did for us is it helped us put words to things that we were already doing, but we we didn't have any sort of framework or structure around to help kind of guide us. So I'll just, I'm going to throw out our purpose that's enhancing life spaces to elevate the human experience. And that's lofty awesome. and it's up there. <laughs> um, but, but what it means for us is that we determined that our purpose as an organization is to create amazing kick-ass workspaces where Employees want to show up every day. They're thriving. They're inspired to do extraordinary work. Um, and, and that if we can do that, then then we're fulfilling our purpose. So to be able to nail that down in those words and to be able to use that as our guide for all the decision making. Now, I'm not saying it's always easy. It's sure. still, you know, it's still couple of years of bad habits ahead of that and you know so we're still always working on that but to have that ultimately as as that kind of true north is I there I can't even put a price on it
1: that's awesome how has it helped with um, decision making has it made it easier or harder
0: it's made it easier why because you just if it fulfills the purpose it's a no-brainer if it doesn't fulfill the purpose, it doesn't mean you can't do it. It means that there might be friction later on. And I've said that in those exact words many times because the other people have asked me that question. Sure. So yeah, it just makes it easier.
1: And so sometimes I'll hear from unenlightened leaders and they'll <laughs> say, well, the purpose thing sounds great, but how's that really going to help us when we're in front of a customer? Let's say you're preparing for, you know, uh, a big meeting with a prospect. What's your experience been?
0: It helps me be a little, uh, I don't want to say tough love, but it helps me explain a little bit better why I can't be part of a bid process. Maybe I can't offer my best work to you and my best self to you. If we're in a bid situation where I don't get to learn the things I need to learn about the end user and the client. Um, so it, it helps me be able to explain that.
1: Absolutely. Um, we can probably move on to the third one if you'd like. But, sure. but you're right, purpose is big. And I, by the way, I like what you said, Like kind of this lofty guide, true north. It sounds a little soft for some people, but it's easily the most powerful thing in the arsenal, I agree with you. It's the higher calling, right. right? Who are, if you really want to stand out, I always tell people, if you really want to stand out from the crowd, create demand so that you don't have to sell so hard. Your customers want to know what you stand for. Right, absolutely. You know all of those iconic companies that I mentioned earlier. If you just mention them to anyone, they will just start, you know, blabbering on about. I mean,
0: you know how much I love Southwest Airlines, and they're one of them. (laughs) And I could go on and on about them for days. I adore them, and I adore every everything about them. So,
1: well, it takes. This is a big compliment to you. And and there's some others that you know of, uh, not only here locally, but uh, there's lots out of of town, too. It takes what Jim Collins of good to great fame would call a level five leader. And those are folks who are resolute and willful, which we can usually find at the business owner level. (laughs) You know, they're tough and they're they're very resolute. But this humility piece is tough, right? Right. To say, I am going to be purpose driven. I do see everything as a process and we need to continuously work at it. Then this last piece is a real tough one. If you really want to break out of sameness and you're you're focused on reducing variation for all the benefits we've already mentioned and you really want to become purpose driven and have core behaviors and core obsessions and and do it like these iconic companies, you don't just want value add. You don't want incremental value for your customers. What do you want?
0: Unprecedented value.
1: Correct. (laughs) If you would have told somebody in the fast food industry, 20 years ago that there's going to be a chicken franchise coming down the road who was going to dominate in terms of billions of dollars just by being polite, right. they would have said you were nuts. If you would have told people 20 years ago that there's going to be a coffee chain that's going to sell $6 coffee and some people are going to buy it three times a day, they would have said you're insane. Or you're going to have this goofy airline that's happy and it's a cattle call and you got to stand in line. And right. They all would have said you're crazy. And yet, it's not the spoken need that we're looking for.
0: It's the unspoken.
1: <laughs> so talk to this issue of unprecedented value and how it related to your purpose. What's your journey been?
0: It's been self-discovery. <laughs> it's been, you know, discovering things about, again, kind of the things that we were already doing on some, some things. I mean, some things we've added, but some things that we were doing that we weren't necessarily highlighting Um, you know I we talked a lot in our journey together about how we don't hide we show up and and that is something that for you listeners we're on our installs every time Um, we are there to work through any issues that come up because sometimes they do Uh, our, our goal is to deliver flawless projects and so we have to be there in order to make that happen and we were always doing that but it wasn't anything that we talked about it just that's that's just who we were and so the kind of unprecedented value piece kind of helped us see that that's a value that we're doing that I don't know that other people necessarily are.
1: That's a great point you know every time I work with a client there's this aha moment that I have and the aha moment for you guys was when you just blurted out almost in unison, "We we don't hide, we show up." <laughs> and I remember going, "Oh my gosh, that's just beautiful. That's what it's all about." Um, and so, again, for the audience, I, I you tell me, but I doubt Courtney that in ten years, customers would say, "Okay." Uh, thanks for showing up today. Uh, We'd like to do business with you, but you need to know the number one thing we're looking for is we want people who don't hide, they show up. (laughs) I doubt they were saying that.
0: No, no no one ever said that.
1: So it's the unspoken need. I
0: just, I I know that people appreciate it because I have heard after the fact, or I've heard people go through other situations where they're like, oh, well, this came in and it wasn't what we expected, or there was some sort of field modification and the furniture wasn't going to fit and we didn't know what to do, but we couldn't find our rep. Yeah, no thanks. Ouch.
1: <laughs> and and some of the other things that you guys uh, had talked about and what you have done really well, of course, there's a lot of choices out there for office furniture, and commercial yes. office oh, furniture, yes. lots yes. of choices. And when, um, when you hit on this idea of creating kick-ass workplaces, the focus shifted a bit. Not a lot, because you guys were always customer-focused, of course. But talk a little bit about how you started thinking about them, the customer, and their people, and their workplace, and how you can impact it, and their culture. Well,
0: Yeah, so going through the whole unprecedented value piece is we started to really look at what, beyond just selling desks and chairs, what do we want to do? And that was to help impact the Fab Five, which we developed with you, um, which was the culture and the engagement piece Uh, wellness, retention, and recruiting, and then innovation. Can
1: I jump in? Yeah. Retention. Think about that. Do you think, and there may be, I I don't want to assume too much, but I know some of your competitors, um, and I know some others outside of town, Uh, do you think that when they first get in front of a prospect, when you're early in the process, the sales process, do you think that the first thing that comes up is, uh, Mr. Customer, could you please share with me what your Uh, employee churn is over the past few years, or what is your retention?
0: I I don't think so. I can't obviously speak for anyone else, but I don't think so, because before I went through this whole process with you, I didn't think to ask those questions.
1: And so, how do you think the customer feels from what you've seen when you start asking them about their key performance indicators?
0: Different. It feels different.
1: Do you think they think that maybe you care more about what they're trying to accomplish versus selling them furniture. Yes,
0: sometimes I think <laughs> they get annoyed. Because um, I think it's so different sometimes that that we say, hey, they'll come to us and say, hey, we have this furniture project and we're just like, okay, that's great, but we don't want to talk about the furniture first. Sure. And they're like, what? <laughs> so,
1: so all of this was supposed to be around um, profitable growth, but demand creation. Right. Any stories about anybody who maybe is called you up, contacted you out of the blue that maybe you weren't prospecting hard on?
0: Um, yes. I, I, I've had <laughs> I had a person call me and be like, everyone keeps telling me about you. <laughs> <laughs> Your name has come up so many times recently that I we have to meet. And we're going to install that project in October. Oh my gosh. <laughs> How cool is that? Yeah. So it's exciting. It's exciting. But um, so Can you, do you think we got on, touched on everything on those three things? Absolutely. So can you talk about your framework, your eight-step framework?
1: So we go back to process. And all those years that I had under my belt, not only at the front end of my career with operations, but the bulk of it for over three decades was not only leading companies, but leading sales organizations. Because... Because I'm a hybrid and I do have all that experience, you have no operation to manage if you don't have revenue.
0: Right. Right. So it's
1: right? so very at the, good point. <laughs> at the front end of the process was how do we drive more profitable revenue? Well, it's a lot more profitable if they come to you creating demand than you <clears throat> what do they always say? It's five times, ten times more expensive, right? To go right. get a new customer right. versus an existing one. Trust me when I tell you, when they call you, it's a beautiful thing. The entire dialogue changes. So, the framework came about because of all of that. I knew there had to be, I didn't have the answer, but I knew there was a better way than the way I'd been doing it. (laughs) Cause you know, it's like it's 10, 12 hour days and it's horrible. And and I, to be fair, uh, you know the, your audience deserves what you and I call new truths. Right. Right. When you're truly um, looking at unprecedented value and the unspoken need, you've got to go find these new truths, these new insights that are out there. And what I found was that most salespeople suck. <laughs> I've been through, I went through hundreds of them, and, and I think we were pretty good coaches, and mentors, and training, and unlike some companies, we, I think we did a great job of that. But only so many stuck, and so many did well, so it became apparent to me to look at this in terms of Deming, and process improvement, and it's like, wait a minute, if we just kind of minimize this whole impact of having to sell so hard, um, and we just go create demand, which is component three on this podcast, <laughs> mm-hmm that we could just find facilitators. We could find people who were really customer focused. And so the process literally is start with purpose, right? So that we're organizationally aligned. Everybody understands why we're here and where we're going and we're clear and that reduces variation. Well that changes the whole conversation around the ideal client.
0: Right, right. Who are we
1: looking for? Say one more time, if you would, your, your purpose statement. It's
0: Enhancing life spaces to elevate the human experience.
1: It's just, it sings to me, it's just, <laughs> it's just amazing, right? And that's not something, oh. <laughs> right, that's not something we're gonna stick on a billboard, you know, out on the middle of the highway, but it guides you and it also guides you in terms of who you wanna do business with. I'm gonna assume that the one you're about to install in October, the people who came to you, I'm gonna assume they were a pretty good fit. Yes. Right, but in the past, I'll speak for myself to let you off the hook, you chase business because you're looking for business. And then they become a nightmare. These are business partners, so quickly. Everybody
0: out there has a nightmare client.
1: Yes. (laughs) So this helps in nightmare, all right, do nightmare clients increase or decrease variation? They
0: increase variation and.
1: There go your costs, there go your profits, so on and so forth. So, Yeah, you become organizationally fit, number one. Number two, it helps figure out the ideal client. We get into unprecedented value. Once we figure out that unprecedented value proposition um, to create kick-ass workplaces, in your case, and to help these folks achieve culturally and those specific key performance indicators like retention, um, that's a bit new to them because it feels good. Maybe they can't articulate it, right? But they knew that feels really good, like you're in it to help them, right. right? And not just sell them stuff. So, and I know you guys well enough. You, you hold yourselves accountable after that. Right. Well, you know, from there we customer confirm all of it, right, because you can't just rush out with some new idea. You have to customer confirm it a bit. Um, and when we get into the marketing piece, let's talk about that just briefly, because marketing changes. You know, I'll throw out one thing and then you throw out what you want, but marketing is all about care. It's the greatest marketing strategy ever devised, giving credit to Seth Godin, who a lot of people probably have heard of. I read that a decade ago probably, is that you care about people. But how would you define marketing of Trilogy today versus maybe marketing the company five years ago?
0: We are providing information that is of value and education to our clients. To our clients
1: huh, podcast
0: podcast yes yes um, this podcast was born of that um, beca- you're, you're- because we wanted to be able to share stories of others who are leading the pack in those f- five things that we talked about and you know I feel like what you do and the reason why you're on this podcast is because you can impact all of those areas through what you do
1: uh, thank you. You're and so, marketing's not a department?
0: I don't believe that marketing's a department.
1: I'm watching TV yesterday, Courtney, and a Chick-fil-A <laughs> commercial is on, right? Do so you think they ever showed chicken?
0: <laughs> no, they showed people. They it's sh- all about the people. They showed
1: this guy, some uh, guy running the drive through in South Carolina who had recognized this mom and, and 14-year-old son. And he overheard them talking about he didn't know how to tie a tie, and I think that she was a widower, so Dad wasn't around. The Chick Fil A guy said, "I'll show you how to tie it." So they come in the next day with a tie. You know what I mean? Who are you, which is definitely core? unprecedented. Value. It is unprecedented. <laughs> so it all shows up. You know, marketing truly is. And I think you just said this: it's who you are. It's it's reflected in everything you do. The perfect project, yes, is marketing. Yes, right. Um, you've got to be the most active person on LinkedIn I've ever seen in my (laughs) life. Not that that's unprecedented, but the things you're putting out there is not pushing furniture and features and benefits. What, what are the, what's the focus of, Uh, well, again, we talk about
0: the fab five and we talk about ways to help improve those areas. Uh, culture, wellness is a big one, you know, and then we try to live those things in our organization as well.
1: And what's happened to your circle? I'm just curious. The circle of people that you've met and that you tend to gravitate toward now.
0: I would say it has become much more aligned with who we are and what we are Mm -hmm. would be the best way to put that.
1: So if we come full circle as we begin to wrap this up (laughs) and you think about... You know, the the only reason the, the, the sales organization exists is because demand does not. Um, I think you guys have done a great job of that. Now, to be clear, that doesn't mean that, you know, as soon as you finish this process, right, that the phone's going to ring off oh, the yeah, hook. No. It doesn't no, no, mean that. <laughs> it's it's a slow burn. Right. But it's got legs and it's going to be there forever.
0: Well, and it just, it feels better to me. You sure. know, I like I said, it was 10 years and... Or this time last year, so it was nine years, but it it just, I was not, I don't want to say burnt out because it wasn't that. It just, I didn't, I didn't love who we were because there was nothing that we could get behind and be excited about. It was that we, again, Mm -hmm. we were the same as everybody else out there. And so this gave us those legs. And it, I am as excited now as when I started the company. That's awesome. So, well, we've come to that part where I get to get one up and one down from you. Okay, so I need what a biz- does that mean? I need a business <laughs> up, well we are called up down, so um, I need a business up and a business down.
1: In terms of up like things that are going well?
0: Uh, th- something, a story that, a uh, situation that went well, okay. uh, a situation that maybe didn't go so well or was a learning experience for you.
1: Okay, so let's start with the down okay. and then we'll end on a high note. Sounds great. So we all know that as a business owner, you can get caught up in not necessarily the minutia, but the goings on of every day, especially if you're the deliverer, in my case, of the service, <laughs> <laughs> and you and you don't focus as much on uh, business development as you should. Um, yes, I've written three books, but at the end of the day, <laughs> nobody cares <All> right. <laughs> unless they know that you've written books, right. and you're out there doing the public speaking, or podcasts, or things of that nature. So. Um, the two years, especially that I was turning around this company, um, it was a twenty million dollar distribution firm. I had lost sight of staying relevant, and that was a real learning uh, curve. Because even though you and I engaged shortly after that, right. um, you know, I dive fully in absolutely with clients, and even when I'm not with you, I'm I'm working on things right. behind the scenes, and so that was a big thing for everybody, and it may seem overly obvious, but I mean you can't take your eye off the ball of staying relevant with people. Absolutely. Um, but by the same token, I must have done something right. Uh, out of the blue, th- one through a connection, but like you said, we align ourselves with people who believe in what you're doing mm-hmm. and what you stand for. And one totally out of the blue. Uh, we all know, for instance, that for instance that um, CBD oil, for instance, is a big thing, right? right. You see those retail shops yes. popping everywhere. up everywhere. They're everywhere. Well, there's a pretty sizable one down in Atlanta. I can't mention their name That's right okay. now. We just began. Um, that is pretty cool, and they're at that place where they know they're living in sameness a bit. And if you look around, nobody's really stood out. You know, as the choice, and, and by the way, when you create a monopoly, it doesn't mean you have to have all the business in a particular industry. You just have to have all, most of the business with those who align with your belief system, with, with your purpose. And so, yeah, a couple of uh, new clients out of the blue. That's which exciting. Was, yeah, those are always the best guys. <laughs> they are the best guys, and so we're having a blast. Um, and you know, the industry doesn't matter to me. You could just, this process we've talked about now right. for half an hour, yeah. it applies to any industry. Absolutely. And so, yeah, that's that's the big up. So we're, we're kind of happy right well, now. Well,
0: congratulations. Thank you. So if people would like to get a hold of you, what's the best way?
1: So there's two ways. Um, I would ask them first. You could just Google me. You know, it sounds a little um, like a little I've got hubris or something, but <laughs> you can just Google me. Right. And Sean, they always butcher. So it's S-E-A-N. It's weird. the Irish spelling. Uh, Storms, S-T-O-R-M-E-S. So if you just go to SeanStorms.com, everything is there. Okay. Or just email me at Sean at the thethirddoor.com. Uh, or as I said, Google me, LinkedIn. Yep. There's um, so many ways to get in touch with me. Uh, but yeah, I, it's I, I, 2019.
0: It People is. People can track down anybody if they really want to. <laughs> Believe me,
1: I know. Um, so I'm out there. I've yep. got a pretty strong digital footprint. But it's fun. I love hearing people's stories, even if they, uh, you know, they don't have a bona fide opportunity. Right. I just keep, like hearing about what they're doing. And you know me, I give out as much free information as absolutely. I can. Absolutely,
0: absolutely. Well, thank you.
1: Thank you. As this was fun. both
0: my friend and my mentor for coming <laughs> on and sharing what you do so that our listeners can, you know, implement maybe a few little things or engage with you. And, um, yeah, I appreciate it.
1: You're very welcome. So proud of what you guys have done.
0: Oh, thank you. All right. Did you like today's topic? Like share and subscribe. Do you know of a business that is killing it in their workplace? Send us an email to podcast at trilogy.life. Thank you for listening until next time.